Hi, my name is Kyle Bomstead and I'm a member here with Restored Church. Uh, if you're new, we want to say welcome and thank you for tuning in. Uh, we believe that church is not an event, but a family that you belong to, so we would love the opportunity to be able to connect with you. Uh, if you want to learn more about our church or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website at restoredtemecula.church and click on contact. We also have a mobile app with resources, including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android app stores. Uh, with all that said, we hope you enjoy the message. Very glad to be with you this morning. If we haven't met yet, my name's Tom. I have the privilege of providing leadership to the church as the lead pastor uh, on eldership. My wife, Ebony, who's with kids and the incomparable Eric and Heather Berga. I'd love to meet you if we haven't met yet. Uh, so maybe maybe after this gathering, we can connect for a little bit. I see some new faces. It's always good to see new faces. But yeah, so this morning, very special morning for us. We've been journeying in a series uh, through the gospel of Matthew called The King and His Kingdom. And what we've been doing is we've been really trying to investigate as much as we possibly can about the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is oftentimes, for whatever reason, in Western culture, it's kind of viewed as something out there, like something that you go to after you die. And we've been, man, honestly, I think it's been an incredibly fruitful time thus far, this series, but we've been really exploring the reality of the kingdom of heaven. It's more, it's more than what we think it is. Uh, there's a theologian, D.A. Carson, he talks about how the kingdom of God is more a reign than a realm. It's more a power than a place. And it's this idea that it, it really is a reality that we can experience right now, partly in the present, fully in the future, at the second coming of Jesus when he comes to make all things new, things the way that they're supposed to be. It doesn't take, uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look around and see that things are not the way they're supposed to be in so many levels. But the heart of God is that he is redeeming all things, the scripture says. Making things the way they're supposed to be. That's the process that's taking place right now. And that will ultimately come to fruition at the second coming of Jesus. So we've been exploring a lot about this. It's been wonderful. It's been good. We're actually going to kind of pause on this series for this morning. Although you're going to hear, I'm going to bring up Vinny in just a second. You're going to hear a lot about the kingdom of God. So it fits within this series, but we're pausing. The reason I say we're pausing is because we're not going to be kind of going verse by verse through Matthew this morning. One of the things about our church, we have six core values. Gospel, the gospel of Jesus. Family, the church is a family. It's not a business. It's not an event. It's not a building. Um, <clears throat> mission, we're on mission. Instead of attracting and trying to bring people to us, we want to go to them. Dependence on the Holy Spirit. Uh, renewal, like I just kind of talked about. And uh, probably, man, one of the ones that gets me the most excited is this value of multiplication. Now, when we talk about God's kingdom, it's not just adding things to the kingdom. It's a, it's a multiplying story. One of the first uh, directives we see in the scriptures that God gives people is to be fruitful and multiply. Like, uh, like Colton and Mallory. It's, be it's a beautiful thing. <clears throat> now, this idea of multiplication, it seeps into every area of life, okay? And specifically this morning where I want to bring this up is because one of the things, like I said, that we really value is multiplying every area of the church. We want to see churches multiply. We want to see disciples multiply. We want to see gospel communities multiplied. If you're not familiar with gospel communities, it's really the primary organizing structure of our church. 
It's 20 or so adults plus their kids that are journeying together to follow Jesus and to to learn more about what it means to enjoy him, obey him, and operate like him in all of life. We want to see every everything multiplied for God's kingdom. And one of the ways that we do that is by identifying emerging gifts that God has given people and helping to support those, develop those, fan those into flame and and give people opportunities to grow in their giftings. And so this morning is really special because not only is we love Vinny, but like this is a a multiplication morning. Uh, Vinny is an incredible dude. He is a father, he is a husband, he's an entrepreneur, he is a friend, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. To know Vinny is to love him, he's fun, but probably my favorite thing about Vinny is you don't spend more than, I don't know, 10 minutes with Vinny without Jesus kind of finding his way into the conversation. He has a love for Jesus that is, I don't know, I would say contagious and, and, and a really, really cool thing. And one of the things, uh, one of the, uh, another thing that I really love about Vinny is he really genuinely has a love for God's word. And starting to see these, I don't know, these like this passion for God's word as I've gotten to know him over the last several years now, and even sort of a desire to like preach and to teach. And so this morning, I'm gonna call it Vinny now. You guys give him a round of applause. <laughs> Love you, buddy. So as you can imagine, it can be uh, somewhat nerve-wracking. Uh, this is not his job. This is not something he does regularly. But this is something that God's given him a gift, and God's given him a passion. And so we as a church, we want to, we want to surround each other in the ways that God has gifted us and the ways that we believe God is gifting us and developing us to see more and more fruit come from our lives, more spiritual fruit come from our lives. So... Before, I'm going to pray for Vinny in just a second, but before he gets going, uh, smile for him, laugh for him, all of these things, it can be nerve wracking to get up and give your first preach. But hear me, one of the things that I love about this multiplying story is you will remember Vinny's first preach because this won't be the last. Uh, In our church, you'll see people give... You'll see, you'll see people give their first sermon on a Sunday because the church is not a production. It's not an event. You're not at church. You're with the church. And we're all supporting each other in our discipleship to Jesus. He's the point. He's the point. And let me just say this too. He's preaching on a topic this morning that like just might be the most important topic in the Bible. So no pressure, Okay. <laughs> No, he's been working on this really hard for a while. You guys, his message is wonderful, okay? So open your hearts, open your ears, open your eyes, give him your face, put your cell phone away. Let me, let me pray for Vinny and we'll get, we'll get popping. Father, thank you for the gifts that you give us. Thank you that this room is filled with people who are literally gifts. I pray that you would, I don't know, you give us confidence to step into obedience in our lives, to trust you, to obey you, to invite your spirit to fill us in every area of our life and to experience the joy of following you and being with you, Jesus.
I pray for Vinny now, Spirit, that you'd use him, um, that we would all be able to see you a little bit more clearly as a result of what you've placed on this man's heart and what, what's about to come out of his mouth. So fill him, Holy Spirit. I'm so grateful for him as a friend, as a brother. He really is a gift. And I pray too, Lord, that, that maybe somehow this morning you would bring clarity to the ways that you are, I don't know, inviting every single one of us more and more uh, to kind of step into what you've created us for, to enjoy you, to obey you, and to operate like you, Jesus. We want you. Show us more of yourself. Thank you, God. And all God's people said, amen. Okay, because we want to create a culture of honor and because we're people of grace, you know, grace is getting what you don't deserve. Before Vinny says a word, will you just erupt with applause and love for this man? Test, test, test. This is fun. Uh, give me just a, a, a tick here, just so I can open up my iPad. Um, this is like a cool NSYNC microphone. I didn't know how it was going to feel, but I'm like, I don't know, I sort of like it. I got some dances that I'm probably going to do for you a little bit later. Um, yeah, so my name is Vinny, and I am a, uh, I'm a filthy, rotten sinner, and I'm serious. Um, I love Jesus, and his grace is so incredible, and I want to talk about that this morning a little bit. Uh, I've been married to my beautiful wife, Jenny, for uh, this August, 20 years. Talk about it. Talk about it. 20 years. She does not like me pointing her out. It's sort of fun. I have two kids that are fantastic, Liam and Nyla. My boy is 15. And my little girl's 12. She went to a dance last night. Um, I, there's something about seeing your little, gr- like little girl go to a dance that, as a dad, you're like, oh, it's so tough. She was so cute. She had these, I don't know, I, I don't want to embarrass her, but she had a great outfit on. It was really, really cute. Uh, <clears throat> what I'm going to share this morning has been something that... I don't know, for the last like four and a half, five years, God has like really been massaging into my skull. Like I have, a, I have a very thick skull, so it takes a lot. And he has just been patiently massaging this in, like so full of grace as he has um, allowed me to like scratch the surface of what like Tom was saying, like honestly, I think is like the point of our existence. Like I, I don't think there's anything more important than this. Um. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do this morning. Um, We're going to go through a passage in Philippians, and I have like two main topics, and then I have four sort of practical applications, and then I'm going to give you the key to it all. I'm going to give you the key. Um, So I, I, yeah, stay with me. I hope it'll make sense. But before we like jump in, like this is going to be our interactive portion of the morning. So by show of hands, how many of you know Tom Cruise? Right? Mission Impossible, Top Gun, good movies, fun, fun movies. How many of you know LeBron James? Yeah, just about everyone. I mean, for the most part, we all know Tom Cruise and LeBron James, right? I want you to imagine for a moment that they were sitting right here in the front. 
like both of them were there sitting side by side. And I say, hey, guys, come on up here. And I, uh, <clears throat> I hand them a microphone and I say, hey, guys, you saw everybody here pretty much knows who you are. Out of everyone here, who do you know? What do you think they would say? They'd probably say, like, what are you talking about, dude? I don't know anybody here. Like, why would you ask me that question? That's, like, so awkward. This is weird. And then they'd leave, probably frustrated. You see, we have in our, like, English definition of the word to know as some, like, type of conceptual idea, like, like an abstract idea. To know is like, hey, yeah, I know what three plus three is. It's six. I, yeah, yeah, I know that guy on the corner who sells me tires, Dan the tire guy. Yeah, I know that. But what the Bible says to know is, is different. You see, the, the, the Bible, and I'm going to read you a definition here in a minute. In the Bible, the Hebrew word to know is yadeah. And I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that right. I have a dude, a buddy of mine who speaks Hebrew. That's how he told me to say it. If you speak Hebrew in here and I'm saying it wrong, I'm sorry. But it's Yadea. And it's a very different, not very different. It's more profound than our English definition of the word to know. Let me read this to you because I want to sort of set the table because we're going to be talking about this a lot this morning, this idea to know. Here's what Yadea means. Listen to this, perceiving, learning, understanding, willing, performing, and experiencing. To know is not to be intellectually informed about some abstract principle, but to apprehend and experience reality. Knowledge is not the possession of information, but rather its exercise or actualization. What that means is when when the Bible says to know God is not to know him in an abstract or impersonal manner, but rather to experience him as he really is, which will lead to entering into his saving actions. You see, to know in the Bible, Yadea is different than what we normally perceive it as. That's why you see in like Genesis when, when Adam knew his wife, it speaks of like intimacy, right? It's not just, yeah, I know that girl, Eve. She's been around here for a little bit, right? Okay, that leads me to my very first question for you. Do you know him? Like, like do you yadea him? And does he know you? Like I said, I think it's like the most important, like this is paramount. There's nothing more important than this. It's like the reason for your existence. Do you know him? And I mean, do you yadea him? We're going to jump into Philippians here in just a second. Uh, But before I do that, will you guys pray with me? Pray for me. I love when Tom says, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me too right now? Let's pray together. Hey, Jesus. Um... The day's here. I'm preaching. <laughs> and um, God, would you just like, I don't know, would you just help me? Help me to be like a mouthpiece and help me not to perform. Help me to like speak your truths. And Spirit, would you like soften hearts so that the truths that are spoken would like just burrow their ways into like the deepest portions of our soul. And God, would we know you more? Would we experience you? 
Uh, I just I really want to honor you this morning, Jesus. I just really do love you. Thank you for an opportunity to be able to share the truths of your good news, of your incredible good news. So just be with me, God. Be with us this morning. We're a group of people who are gathered because we love you. We're here literally because we love you, God. So be with us. And we all said together, amen. Okay, Philippians, grab your Bibles. It's going to be up on the screen. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 3. And I didn't start my timer, which either means it's going to be really long or really short. We'll find out. Okay, um, Philippians 3, it's going to be in the, in the back there. I'm going to be reading out of the CSB. I'm going to read the whole passage. It's a little long, so like stay with me. But then we're going to like break it down a little bit. We're going to wrap. Okay, cool. It's back there. Okay, here we go, guys. This is um, Paul speaking to the Philippian church. And we're picking up verse 3. Okay, he says, For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Listen to this. Although I have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But listen to this, look at this. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Okay, I know that's a long passage, but did you guys see, like in the very beginning, Paul basically goes, hey, look, you guys, look, look, don't boast in the flesh. If anyone can boast in the flesh, I can do it. If anyone, I can do it. Then he lists his resume. He goes through his whole thing. He goes, he goes, Hey, a Hebrew born of Hebrews regarding the law, a Pharisee. He goes through this whole list. And what Paul's doing here is he's highlighting this reality of of flesh versus spirit, of of the, the world versus the kingdom of God. He's highlighting this in a in a like sort of unique way. You see, the world is constantly telling you how to live. Constantly. It's telling you like, hey, you want to be successful? Do these things. Get a claim. Be famous. Get a bunch of money in your bank. Drive a fancy car. Have a big house on the hill. That's what's going to make you somebody. The world's constantly telling you like, hey, if you want to do something like really special, you've got to climb your way to success. Climb the ladder to success. But what does the kingdom say? The, the kingdom says the first will be last and the last will be first. It's almost like polar opposites. It's really interesting because 
we're constantly being faced with this lie that the world is the way to go. Like, this is what really matters. But true life, like real life, is in the kingdom. And the only way to enter into the reign of the kingdom is by knowing him. It's a byproduct. Let me just give you, like, a little bit of history here with with Paul, because I think this will be important. Okay, so the Apostle Paul... um, well, let me, let me start back like a little bit before that. Typical Hebrew boys. At the age of five, they would start learning the Torah. Okay, so the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Yes, those first five books. That's the Torah. At the age of 10, most Hebrew boys would start learning the Talmud. Now, the Talmud is like essentially like commentary on the first five books of the Bible. They like they would extrapolate from the first five books and essentially make a bunch of laws that they would then adhere to. So typical Hebrew boys at the age of 10 would start learning like 600 plus laws that they would try to like keep and understand for the rest of their life. Most scholars believe at the age of 16, Paul started learning from a very prestigious rabbi and Pharisee named Gamaliel. Now Gamaliel was like... um, he was like super revered. He's like super Pharisee, okay? He was, um, he was the kind of guy that who, who like when you walk down the marketplace and you see him, you sort of like advert your eyes because like, oh man, there's Gamaliel. Like that dude knows his stuff, right? Watch out, he's too holy for me. That kind of feel, right? So, so Paul, at the age of 16, would start learning from Gamaliel. It's almost like if I like knew Kung Fu, Maybe I do know Kung Fu. It's almost like, like, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm a black belt in Kung Fu, but, but my teacher was Bruce Lee. It's a different weight, right? Like if I was taught by Bruce Lee, all of you probably would keep your distance. I'm just saying because, all right, that's all I'm saying. So it's a different weight, right? So when people would see Paul, they would say things like, oh, there's Paul. He was taught by Gamaliel. Like that guy... He knows what's up. You see, Paul sends to this, or speaks to this church and says, look guys, don't boast in the flesh. If there's any reason to boast in the flesh, I have it. Look at my resume. And then what does he say? He says, in verse 7, he goes, but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered it to be a loss because of Christ. Most scholars believe that Paul was converted to believing in Jesus at the age of 30 on the road to Damascus. And most scholars believe that he died when he was 60. Essentially, Paul is saying right here, the first half of my life was a loss. Paul's like, the first 30 years, all of that studying all of that like really hard work I did as a child, all of the nights with a candle and memorizing the laws, all of the religiosity that I put my, myself towards and I flung myself to was a loss. In fact, he goes on and says it, it was dung. It's almost like a, like a business statement. It's like a profit and loss statement. He goes, this was worthless. It was a waste in light of what? Of Christ. Of the, of the kingdom. 
See, there was a, um, a paradigm shift. There was a mind shift change. There was a shift of like personality that took place in Paul. Oh, sorry. I touch my face a lot. I've noticed that. And this thing's here and I'm like, ah, I can't touch my face. I can do it with this hand. There, there, there was a mind shift change. There has to be a mind shift change. And it happened here. You can see with Paul, he, he shows you, this was really important to me for 30 years of my life. And now it's nothing but a loss. How much of your life would you consider a loss in light of Christ? Like that's a, that's like, that's a tough question, isn't it? Like looking back, in your life, what things have like eternal value instead of finite value, right? Like all the things that we distract ourselves with all the time. And the world's really good at helping us be distracted constantly. So much so that like they got screens all the time on our faces. I don't know, I, it just really hits me when I look at Paul and I go, man, Paul was an incredible dude. And he says half of his life was a loss. So Paul's resume, pretty impressive. Like first century Hebrews would like look at that resume and be like, dang, Paul's the man. He, I wish I could be like Paul. What, um, what's on your resume this morning? Like if, if you're honest with yourself, what's on your resume? What do you boast in? Is it like, um, is it your looks? Is it your talent? Is it maybe that you know that you just have a little bit more money in the bank than the next guy? Like, what do you boast in? What's on, what's on your resume? Oh, something to think about at lunch. I like lunch. Let me, let me, let me read this. Um, there must be a kingdom culture shift, a mind shift change, a paradigm shift, a rearranging of one's life. But how does this happen? Brings me to my first point, if you're taking notes. It's by knowing him, because knowing God is better. Knowing God is better. You can put any word at the end of that sentence, and it's going to work. Knowing God is better than fill in the blank. But see, it's not just knowing him conceptually. It's knowing him experientially. Do you yadea him? Or is it just enough for you right now where you think, yeah, no, it's cool. I know, I know who God is. I know he's incredible. He, he's powerful. It's great. Do you know him? We have to ask ourselves these like really tough questions because otherwise we're going to find ourselves in a predicament, in a spot we don't want to be. And can I tell you, knowing him is better. Knowing him is better than anything the world can throw at you. You could be, the, in the world's definition, the most successful person. You could be, what's this, Bezos. You could be Bezos. You could be uh, Elon Musk. Those guys right now, the world thinks, man, those guys are super successful. Entrepreneurs, made these incredible businesses, billionaires, riding on the yachts. You could be all that. Knowing God is better. Like, by far. There's not even, there's not even a gap. There's like no gap. It's that much better. 
I got to get some water because my mouth is like someone just poured a bunch of salt in my mouth. I shouldn't have had bacon this morning. I made some bacon. You guys ever bake your bacon? Oh, you guys, how did I not know about this earlier? Baking bacon is the best. Talk about it. 400 degrees, about 15 minutes. Applewood smoke, Stater Brothers. You guys, knowing God is better. It just is. There's nothing better than knowing God. It's possible to believe in God as a concept, just knowing about him. But when he moves from being a concept to being the most important reality in your life, so much so that all other things are considered a loss, then you are moving towards him and his kingdom. It's possible to believe in God as a concept, just knowing about him, but when he moves from being a concept to being the most important reality in your life, so much so that all other things are considered a loss, then you are moving toward him and his kingdom. You can't like, you can't like trip and fall into the kingdom. You can't dive off a building and enter into the reign of the kingdom of God. You, you can't. But you can know God and a byproduct of knowing him, Yadea him, will be understanding and entering into the reign of the kingdom. It's a byproduct. You can't strive. You can't be a tryhard. You can't. The world would tell you, hey, work a little harder. It's not how it works. Isn't that like special? Like, I don't have to work hard. I just have to know the creator of the universe. And I get to. I get the opportunity to know him. Ooh. I'm going to try not to get emotional this morning. Um, there's this like great Jonathan Edwards quote. <clears throat> there's an infinite difference between believing that honey is sweet and experiencing the taste of honey. Isn't there? Like you can tell me all day long that honey's sweet and I'll think, oh yeah, that's great. But as soon as I taste like good honey, local honey, oh my goodness. There's an infinite difference. Isn't there? That's Yadea him. That's Yadea God. That's knowing him. You can be told all day long, yeah, he's great. He does wonderful things. In fact, he came and he saved the world. You can believe that conceptually, but until you experience him, you don't know him. Until you engage and experience him, Um, let me read this quote from you from Tim Keller. I thought this was like killer. Uh, Tim Keller, yeah, here it is. Okay, quote, when you are so astounded by what he has done for you that it rearranges your personality and he becomes the core of your identity, then you move from knowing about him to knowing him. Paul considered half of his life as a loss, how much more are we going to waste not knowing him? I mean, every day is a gift. We get an opportunity to be able to engage with him every day. That's like, that's such a beautiful gift. Here's my second point, guys. My first point is knowing him is better. There's nothing that compares. My second point is 
to know God is to be found in him. Listen to this. Okay, Philippians, I'm going to pick it up at verse 7 here. It says, but everything that was a gain to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ, listen to this, and be found in him. What? What What do you mean be found in him? I thought like Jesus was just supposed to be in us and like we're golden. Like what, what are we talking about here, Paul? This is communal language. This is relationship type talk. This is not conceptual. This is experiential talk. Um, there is a verse in the Bible, and I'm sure you guys have heard it before, that honestly, is, it can be like a bit scary. And there's a couple of them in there, but this one in particular, I'm going to read it to you, and we're going to rap about it for a second. This is in Matthew 7, 21. This is Jesus speaking. These are the words of Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Drive out demons in your name? Do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Other versions say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. What does Jesus say? He says, I never knew you. If that verse does not like terrify you a little bit, you might be asleep. Is anyone asleep? <laughs> How many of you done like many miracles in his name? You don't have to raise your hand. How many uh, have you have like driven out demons in his name? These dudes that are talking to Jesus right now, they believed conceptually about Jesus, so much so that they knew that there was power in the name, so much so that they could go and do all of these things, drive out demons in the name of Jesus. Like, you got to be pretty brave to do that kind of thing, right? That's a little scary. They knew conceptually that there was power. They probably knew all about him, but they did not yadea him. Knowing God is better. They didn't choose that. They never knew him. He never knew them. That is like so sobering. Because it's not just enough to like believe in the reality that there is a God and that God is good. That's not how it works. Experiential reality, experiential knowledge understanding and knowing the goodness of the grace of Jesus Christ and tasting and seeing that he is good is when you start to know him. Okay. We're moving along good, guys. I'm going to give you four practical applications here. And these are like just practical ways to get to know him. And it seems like, like these are probably like, not silly, but maybe simple or simplistic. But just stay with me for a couple minutes. Practical step number one, prayer. Now when I say that, 
most of you probably thought like, well, yeah, of course, pray. Of course I'm going to pray to him. Yeah, makes sense. But do you really pray to him? Do you talk to him? Do you like, do you like pour out your heart to him? Are you honest with yourself in that he is there listening to every word you have to say? Or are you just like throwing words on the, the, the drawing board and see what will stick? Are you just like throwing words out there and hoping that he or something or somebody will listen? Like he's, do you talk to him as though he's in the room having a cup of coffee in the corner, just listening, saying, hey, son, daughter, tell me like, what's going on? What's going on in your day? Tell me about your day. Or do you just check off the box, throw up a prayer? I'm not saying that like those arrow prayers that we all heard of like years ago, I'm not saying that there's not um, like grace for those and that he doesn't hear that. That's not what I'm saying. But are you like honest with yourself in that when you talk to the creator of the universe, are you talking to the creator of the universe? Or are you just talking to whatever? Does that make sense? Practical step number one, prayer. Let me read this to you. John 10, 27. Here it is. 10, 27. These are the words of Jesus. He says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. Do you hear his voice? Like when you pray, are you just like throwing out as many words as you can so that you can then get off to wherever you're going? Or do you stop and like, listen for a minute? Like, Jesus, Spirit, speak to me. Talk to me. I want to hear your voice. He says right here, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. Like, that's so beautiful. Do you guys understand? You get to talk to the creator of the universe. I think we like, I don't know, I think we take this for granted a little bit. God spoke the earth into existence. He holds everything in the palm of his hand. And yet we are so easily distracted with things that have no value whatsoever. We get to speak to that God through Jesus. We get to like, like commune with him. And yet it's not that important to us. I know that's sobering. I know that's tough. I'm speaking to myself too because I do it all the time. Oh, this is what's in front of me. This is more important. There's nothing, there's nothing better than knowing him. Knowing God is better. It is. That's when true life starts. The world's telling you this is how you're living. Look, live, live, live here. In fact, in fact, the world is telling you this is how you should live. And now they're telling the next generation to live in a screen. They're literally telling kids, your life is going to be found in a screen, in a video game, in television, in the metaverse or whatever that thing is. I just, I just look like I'm really old right now. <laughs> I felt old saying it. Life truly starts by knowing him. Because that's the kingdom. We live in a shadow of a much greater reality. Do you understand that? What, what's really happening with the areas that we cannot see is reality. But we're only in these like four dimensions, as it were. We don't have to talk about that. We don't have to go there. 
I get really excited about that stuff. Um, Okay, so first practical step, prayer. Do you talk with him and do you listen for his voice? Second practical step. This right here is a past, present, and future book. It's the only book of its kind. It's 66 books written by 40 different authors, give or take. And it is the most incredible book ever in the history of the world. His his nature, his essence, they're in the pages of this book. You want to know about him? Do you want to learn about him? He's, He's written it down for you. It's here. Um... I'm, I'm Italian by nationality, uh, not as much Italian as I'd like to be. I just did one of those tests not too long ago, thinking I was like way more Italian than I was, and that I'm not. Um, but I still have like a hefty heritage uh, of Italian in my family. If you saw my family, you'd be like, oh, we know what they are. Um, my family, um, my family for a long time, like centuries, generations, literally, has had possession of like a very, um, like a very important item. We have a box in my family, and it's about, I don't know if everyone can see, it's about yay big, give or take. It's a cedar box. It's like beautifully ornate on the top. I mean, like really gorgeous. And the box looks so old. I'm talking old. And um, this box has been in my family for literally generations. And the, the, every so often, um, like the box will be out and about, but you're like not necessarily supposed to open the box. And the box is passed down from, um, from like the father to the eldest son. And my uncle Gregory currently has the box. Um, the story goes, the Letary legend and my last name's Letary. The Letary legend is, is this, uh, and I wanted to bring it, but it's not like allowed to leave the, the eldest son, as it were. So as you guys know, when Jesus was crucified, there were Roman soldiers uh, in Judea when he was crucified. And the story goes is that one of my great, 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 however far back you got to go for 2,000 years, was one of the Roman soldiers that saw Jesus crucified. And when everything happened and, the, and the, the, the sky turned dark and the earth shook and Jesus gave up his spirit, when all of that happened, my great, 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 whatever grandfather Letary knew that there, like something was different. Something was unique. Something was, was different about this man. He'd seen a lot of like people get crucified and something was different. And when they took Jesus' body off of the cross, he got one of the nails. And that nail has been in my family for generations upon generations. And if you'd like, if you slide the box open and you, you like, you can take it out. It's not nearly as long as, it, as I think it was once, but it's like, you can see it and it's like falling apart, but not falling apart. You know how like metal starts to like age and patina and stuff. You can see this nail and it's like, it's incredible. 
Imagine if that story was true. It's not. Imagine if that story was true. But listen to this. Listen to this. You see your reaction? Your reaction is like, oh my gosh. The nail that held the flesh of Jesus to that piece of wood. Think about, like, think about if I had the nail. Think about it. Your faith would be bolstered. You would look at that and you'd be like, oh my. Think about what happened right now. You have the words of God sitting in your lap. Right here. He is literally an open book for you to read right here, the words of God. And yet we don't necessarily open it up and learn about it. Number one, prayer. Number two, Bible. Number three, community. I didn't think this was all that important like five years ago. Community for me was like, yeah, let's go hang out. Let's go do whatever. I'm going to see you on Sunday. Like, that's cool. Um, But it wasn't what this is right now. Jesus has an incredible way of using the body to minister to one another. Like, we get to actually experience him through one another. That's why it's important to be here. This, this isn't a box you can check off and all of a sudden, hey, I did my duty. I am a good quote-unquote Christian. We're good to go. I checked off the box. We, we made it. We made it to gathering today. When you engage, you get to experience him through one another. When we minister to one another, you get to experience the grace and the love and the goodness that he has for you. And, and that's why he says, he says in Hebrews, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. Don't forsake it because you're going to miss out on me. You're going to miss out on me. I'm here. It's so imperative. Community for me, this like last couple of years have 100% been like, in, like life-changing. And it's not, it's not community for community's sake. It is experience, experiencing him through community. There's growth that has taken place that would have never have taken place apart from it. That's why it's so important for us to gather. It's not so that we can like be here and laugh and how was your week? It's to experience him. So when you come, come ready. Come expectant. Like you get to meet with the creator of the universe. Number one, prayer. Number two, Bible Number three, community. Number four, this was a hard one for me to sort through. I'm going to have some more water. That bacon's doing its job. Number four, I put humility. What do I mean? What do I mean? Humility, are you honest with yourself? Like, we love to lie to ourself, don't we? And sometimes we do it without even knowing. Like, oh, I'm, I'm better than I am. Uh, this isn't that big of a deal. But are you honest to yourself? Are you honest about like where you're at? I mean, humility at its core is being honest. Why am I saying that? I think we have a tendency to try to like sort through and control as much as we possibly can and we sort of 
we sort of tell ourselves that it's no big deal. And what, I'm, what, I'm, what am I trying to say? Unless you can be humble and be filled with humility and be truthful with yourself where you're at, it's going to be really hard for you to know him. Until you break the walls down, until you pour yourself out so that he can be poured in, until you let go of control, it's going to be really hard. Humility, I think, is probably one of the most important practical steps. Because if you're like, if you're really honest with yourself, you won't be checking boxes anymore. You'll be engaging with him. You'll be talking with him. You'll be learning about him. You'll be listening to him. You'll be on the path to Yedea him, to know him. Number one, prayer. Number two, Bible. Number three, community. Number four, humility. All right, this is my favorite part. This is my favorite part of the message this morning. This is the key to everything. You want me to tell you, like, your purpose in life? You want me to tell you what your calling is? This, listen, you guys, I struggled with this so much for years. I would be praying and praying and praying, God, give me something to do. Give me something great for your kingdom to do. Come on, just tell me what it is. You know what he told me? He said, seek me first. For years, I was so tired of hearing that in the shower. Shower, like, I don't know about you, but like shower time is a great time just to like hear from the spirit. I don't know what it is. Years, it was seek first the kingdom of God. Seek me. You want to know what your calling is? It's the same as mine. It's to know him. Understand there's a difference between calling and assignments. He may give you an assignment, but your calling is to know him. Because knowing him is better than anything. You can put any word there. It doesn't matter. He's better. Okay, here's the key, you guys. Here's the key. When you discover the immeasurable grace he has given you, the immeasurable grace in the person of Jesus this is the key. Let me, let me explain. Jesus is the key. I don't want that to sound like, oh yeah, of course Jesus is the key. I knew you were going to say that, yeah. No, you guys. What was the purpose of Project Planet Earth? Think about it. What was the purpose? God already knew what was going to happen. He knew that like, we would screw up. Didn't he? There's this like incredible dude, this Irish mathematician. I'm going to answer that question, but stay with me. Um, there's this incredible mathematician. His name's John Lennox. He's a professor at Oxford. He's an Irish dude. He's got like all these words I can't really pronounce, but I wrote them down of what he is. Bioethicist. I don't even know what that is. And he's a Christian apologist. This guy, he goes up and he debates against these dudes that are like crazy atheists, and their debates are incredible. If you ever get a chance to YouTube it, it's awesome. And I was watching one of these one day, and <clears throat> the guy goes, hey, you know, why did God create man? 
And John Lennox thought for a second and he responded, and I'm paraphrasing, so stay with me. He goes, he goes well, because he wanted to. I listened to that answer and I thought, that is the crappiest answer I've ever heard. What do you mean because he wants to? And then he goes on and he, and he, he sort of gives this illustration. How many parents are in the room? Future parents too. Yeah. We have a lot of kids in this place. There are a lot of parents in the room. Why did you want kids? You ever asked yourself that question? Why did you want kids? Honestly. Like, they're really expensive. They're like it's full of heartbreak for the parents. Sometimes they smell. It's tough. Why? Why did you have kids? I mean, it's really tough, you guys, honestly. Can I tell you why? Because you wanted to know them. And you wanted them to know you. You had kids because you wanted to know them and you wanted to love them. Why did God create Project Planet Earth? Because he wanted to know you. The whole thing, the whole thing was to know you. Do you not, oh man, I'm going to get emotional. You guys, stay with me for a second. Okay, so look, he breathes life into existence. Before he does that, he already knows that we're going to screw up. He already knows. He makes Adam, he makes Eve, boom, the fall. He already had a plan in place where he sends the son, Jesus, to go do what we could not do. Why? In order so that we could be reunited with the father. Why? To know him. That's the whole thing. The, the whole purpose of life, of existence, is to know him. Do you not see that he gave of himself, even though he already knew that we would screw up? But he still even though he knew we were going to screw up, he still thought it was worthwhile just to know you personally. You know, for the first time ever in history, in history, when Jesus was on the cross, Despite like the really like terrible physical torture, right? Like despite, despite the like beating in the, in the face and the tearing out of the beard and the whipping and the lashing and the spitting and the pushing, the shoving. He said he was like, like he, you couldn't even be like uh, recognized. He was, what's that called? Ir- irrecognizable. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't know it was Jesus if you saw him because he was so bloodied and bruised. Despite all the physicality, the issues that were all around that torture, how difficult that was, despite that, what was infinitely more difficult, what was so hard is for the first time in history, the father abandoned the son. For the first time, he had to turn his back on the son while Jesus was there alone, not with the father. For the first time, he was abandoned. Why? To know you. I, um, I want you to know that you're not going to like get home today and take these like practical steps 
and then all of a sudden you're, you're golden. <clears throat> it's not like a one-day process. It's not like a, a, a switch that you can turn and all of a sudden you flip the switch and you're there, right? That's not what this is. Um, later in the rest of chapter 3, Paul talks about, he says, he says, not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have taken hold, oh, sorry, I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Paul's basically saying like, hey, this isn't a one day kind of a thing. This is the journey. This is actual real life is the process of knowing him. And a byproduct of knowing him would be entering into the reign of his kingdom. Like he so desperately wants to know you. He literally gave his life for that purpose. He wanted to know you so bad that he sent his son to die a terrible death just to know you. Knowing him is better than any other thing that you could put on the end of that sentence. So I leave you with this, guys. Do you know him? Like truly, do you yadea him? And does he know you? I think my like, <clears throat> my prayer is that like we would really be humble and full of humility while we answer those questions. Because there's nothing more important. Knowing him is better. Sorry, is that like too sobering this morning, huh? That's all I got, guys. That's all I got. Come on up here. Well done, my friend. All right, I'm going to call the band up. Prayer team, if you guys want to make yourselves available in the back, that'd be fantastic as well. <clears throat> um, okay, we got like 15, 20 more minutes left of the gathering. <clears throat> and <clears throat> as, as wonderful as the truths that Vin shared with us are, this, from this point forward, is the most important portion of the gathering. Because this is the, this is the portion of the gathering when we take what has been presented to us, truth from God's word, and we respond. Um, and so what, what's going to happen is the band's going to serve us. Um, actually, I'm going to ask you to stand if you're able. What's going to happen is uh, the band's going to serve us. <clears throat> There's going to be prayer, just so that you guys... Um, uh, know what's going to happen. There'll be prayer that kind of happens around the room as God leads it. Nothing weird. Um, but sometimes God decides to do miraculous things because he wants to communicate his love. Sometimes God will heal physically. Sometimes God will heal emotionally. Sometimes God will heal our minds. Sometimes he will make us aware of things. He's active with his people. Why? Where did Vinny go? Because he wants to know us and he wants us to know him. So here's what I want to do. Here's what I feel like God's highlighting. Two things.
I want you to consider something for a second. Do you desire eternal life? Let that just settle in for a second. Most of your minds are probably going to, after I die, heaven. That's fine. That's part of it. But if you take something away from Vinny's message, that there's an experiential reality that's available to you right now. Like you don't have to wait partly in the present, fully in the future. For those of you that said, yes, I do desire eternal life, check out what Jesus says really quick. This is totally in alignment with with what Vinny was saying. The words of Jesus. This, everybody say this. This is eternal life. That they, disciples, people, that they may know you, he's praying to God the Father, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. So Jesus is saying that eternal life is to know him. So the trajectory is an increasing knowledge, an increasing, like, experiencing the reality of who God is that's like, it keeps increasing and keeps increasing and keeps increasing and keeps increasing forever. Eternal life, in many ways, is available to you, a taste of it at least, now. And so maybe some of you in the room, you're hearing Vinny talk about this and this experiential reality. And you're like, yeah, like I have head knowledge or I have like belief. James talks about how the demons believe, right? So there's a difference there. There's a a trust component. And and the knowing component comes from experiencing him. So here's what I want to do. Every eye closed. For those of you that genuinely want to experience God, I have some, something important to tell you. He wants you to. He's gone to great lengths so that you would experience him. But he's not like us. He is in some respects. Yes, God put on flesh in the person of Jesus, but he's transcendent. And for some of you, it's time to get in touch with the, the reality that you are as much, if not more, a spiritual being as you are a physical being. What the next 15 or 20 minutes is all about is about experiencing God together. And you're going to experience him in the next few moments through two ways. You're going to experience him through the other people in this room, like like they're conduits. Like you're literally going to experience God through the people in this room, and you're going to experience him through his spirit. It's an individual and a corporate thing. It's an individual and familial thing. That's what this is all for. All roads lead to these moments where we get to engage with God, where our hearts are genuinely open to experiencing him, the reality of who he is that he's gracious, that he's kind, that he's present, that he couldn't be any more close than he is right now. His closeness isn't the question. It's how distracted are we by other things. So I invite you, friend, slow down a little bit. Spiritually, slow down. The band's gonna minister to us through music, through song, people, you have the opportunity to praise God for his goodness, but all of this is that we would right now, 
as individuals and as a church family, know him and be known by him. Intimacy with God, worship, praise. Enjoy him and we'll be up to close in a little bit, okay? Thank you, Father, that you have sent to us the bread from heaven, Jesus. I love these words. I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I have said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. These words to religious people. I love this. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. Thank you, Father. That in your son, because of what he's done for us, like you won't reject us. You, you love and value and treasure us to the point of sending your son for us. And I thank you that that's the truest thing about us. And that getting to know you is better than anything else in this life. What kind of love is this? There's no other love like this in the world. Thank you. We love you. And we're grateful. In your son's name we pray. Amen. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat. I'm going to close this up. Knowing him is better. Thank you, Vinny, for that. To know him is better than anything else. And I just want to ask a question, like, how do you want to respond today? What does your particular response look like? Like Tom said, the message, as good as it is, it's just a setup. For the response, and there's still time. Got a few minutes. For some of you, you might, you just know, like God's been highlighting stuff. You might need to go get prayer. Maybe this is highlighting some things in your life that you just know. Knowing Him is better, but I'm not experiencing His goodness in an area of my life. You might be carrying some significant pain in your life, significant wounds. You might need physical healing. You might need emotional healing. You might need both. Maybe you feel a little bit beat up by life. The last couple of years have probably left all of us feeling, feeling that way. So maybe you need to go get prayer. Some of you, uh, especially those of you who are, this is, this is your home church. Some of you, God may be stirring up some things during the gathering, and I want to encourage you guys. If he puts somebody on your heart and mind, you can go pray for them. That is okay. That's not just okay, that's great. So you may need to go find someone to pray for that God's been stirring up. It's possible um, that for you, you might just need to have a conversation with someone in this room or someone that's not here right now. Maybe God is stirring up some things. Maybe some things aren't quite right in a relationship that he wants to, to bring healing. To know him is better. And it's better even than like, it's better than whatever you might be protecting by not entering into certain conversations with someone. Some of you, you just need to go because it's lunchtime and that's totally fine too. So we have like three or four minutes. If you want to respond, I would encourage you to do so. At noon, if you've got kids, please go get grab your kids at noon. But we love you. We're really, thank you, Vinny, for this morning. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Father, for sending your son and the, the fact that knowing you is better than anything that could be on our resume. What a wonderful word. Hope you guys are encouraged by it and take it with you into your weeks. So much love. Enjoy your Sunday.